Some trees will bend And some will fall But then again So will us all Let's turn our prayers To outrageous stairs And mark our page In the future age Good morning and welcome to episode 998 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index, Baseball Reference, and our Patreon supporters. I'm Sam Miller of ESPN, along with Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Hi, Ben. Hello. We moved our router. You know, we moved from our house and then we moved back to our house. Mm-hmm. And we moved, we moved our router. And so tonight, I was planning to uh, record in the Honda Fit. And oh. I went I went over, sat down, and uh, logged on to the Skype, and it said no internet connection. Things, huh. things change. How fitting. Because the fit. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. Also fitting because we have an announcement to make, and it's an announcement that I think a lot of you have maybe expected to hear and hoped not to hear after each of our many job changes and we're up to four combined job changes since the start of this podcast and somehow we have managed to keep podcasting together all this time despite a couple of close calls but i am sorry to say that our luck has run out in that respect yeah we're not gonna podcast together anymore no this is your (laughs) last week as the co-host of uh, effectively wild after four and a half years and what will have been A thousand episodes, or even more, if you count the one we recorded from the future. Oh, that's true. One thousand and one. Yeah. Well, Uh, you you did go on vacation a few times, (laughs) but but yes, close enough. But Ben, it's not all that bad, is it? Well, I'm going to miss you, and everyone's going to miss you. And yes, in a minute, I will have additional news about the podcast's future, which I hope will be bright, but we can take a moment to uh, celebrate your contribution, I think, to this podcast, which would not have existed, at least in this form, without you. And I don't know about you, but this podcast has been, I think, the maybe the most consistently rewarding part of my professional life over the past four and a half years. And I've worked at a bunch of really good places with a bunch of great people and had a lot of really great opportunities. But this podcast, I don't know whether it is something that is true of all podcasts or whether this one is unusual or whether it's just a product of the fact that we have done so many episodes and we kind of became a part of people's routines and help them go to sleep at night or wake up in the morning or wherever it fit into their busy lives. But the reader interaction and listener interaction and and feedback that has been a, a constant part of this podcast has been great. And I guess that is the best thing about kind of living your your life on the internet and maybe also the worst thing sometimes depending on what you write. But for us, it has been great. And I'm very grateful for all the things that this podcast has led to. I mean, we, we wrote a book together. We ran a baseball team for a summer. None of that would have happened without this podcast. And all the people that we have met and befriended and gotten to know whether it's actual in-person no or internet no because of this podcast i never would have anticipated all of that so i'm really glad that we had as much time as we did yeah me too the first few hundred episodes uh 
it was when it was truly daily, uh, yeah. when, when it was sincerely daily, uh, to the point that various famous dead people's birthdays weren't even acknowledged uh, <laughs> because Ben was so intent on it being daily. I never, you know, I never did understand why it was so important to you that we never miss a day. And, and in the same way, I mean, to some degree, in the same way as an editor, you were always intent on there being, you know, 11 pieces up uh, every day. And I always used to wonder also, this is sort of this, I think this was the same part of your character, your, uh, your personality, but I never understood why that I would, I would submit, like if I was supposed to write Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I'd finish something early, I'd turn it into you on like, say Monday and be like, here, this is for Wednesday. And 10 minutes later, it'd be up. <laughs> you just couldn't wait to post things. <laughs> well, your articles were good. I All couldn't, right. Couldn't keep them to myself. Well, anyway, I never, uh, I, I would have, uh, I would have been skipping days so quickly and, and so regularly. Uh, and I think that those first couple hundred episodes when you kept us on that schedule and it just was never even a voluntary thing, we were just going to record an episode. <laughs> it was good. It got it got this into the rhythm of my life uh, in a way that I never thought, oh, I have to, I, I never thought I, I have to record a podcast now. It was always, oh, it's time to record a podcast now, which is a subtle mm -hmm. difference but one that made it feel very much part of my life. Just like you never think, oh, I have to shower. It's just like, good time to shower. Uh, <laughs> I guess sometimes you do. Uh, but in that way, it was it was very satisfying. And it never, it was sometimes stressful, sometimes made me anxious. Sometimes it got in the way, but it never felt like work. And, uh, and I really appreciated it. I also got to get, um, I got to get my dad merch. Like I, I got my dad a coffee mug yeah. for Christmas. <laughs> And it was really cool to have that existing, and uh, I was and we sort had of, nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. <laughs> it yeah. just happened yeah. spontaneously without any intervention from us. It was great, and I was somewhat embarrassed to order <laughs> fan merch. To, <laughs> so I, I actually, did, I had to, I ordered it under somebody else's name, so that nobody <laughs> would possibly skim the list and go, huh. <laughs> you know by the way we also yeah. did two live casts that aren't in the count either so really when you think about it we've already done a thousand <laughs> this is episode 1001 if you that's, think about it that's true we did a couple patreon only broadcasts so yeah well we've had an inkling that this could be coming for a while and we haven't wanted to keep anyone in the dark and it's been very hard for you not to say something but before we said something we wanted to figure out what we would be saying and we wanted to explore every option to keep this going together and recently we found out that that wasn't going to happen and once we found out that it wasn't going to happen I, I think I had always sort of figured that if either of us left that would be it and I kind of continued to figure that until it basically became a reality and then it was very hard for me to let go and it's just the the community that has sprung up around this show that I worried would not continue to thrive without the show being here. I don't know. Maybe it's reached the point where it's self-sustaining, but there's Banished to the Pen, the excellent site started by listeners of Effectively Wild that has served as a springboard to other sites for some writers. There's a Facebook group of almost 5,000 members where people just perform random acts of kindness constantly for each other. There's one listener who posted something about wanting to get his dad something related to the 1984 Tigers and another listener 
just sent him an autographed photo of three 1984 Tigers just for free, just so that he could give that to his dad for Christmas. And stuff like that is happening all the time. And another listener just sent us big boxes of delicious ramen recently <laughs> for no no reason, not expecting anything in return, but just because of this podcast. And that sort of thing made it very hard for me to let go. And I consulted some longtime Effectively Wild listeners and got their thoughts on whether they'd like to see the podcast continue. And I am on record as not believing in legacies being tarnished, but even so, I didn't want to try to do an Uncanny Valley version of the show that was not true to the spirit of what we've been doing and try to prolong its life without preserving that spirit. And I think there were really only a, a couple people I could imagine possibly doing it with and having it be sort of similar or spiritually similar to what we have done and to be able to keep it analytical, but also whimsical and spontaneous and all the, the things we've managed to do. And I think there are probably only a couple people that you would give your blessing to being your successor on the show. And Yeah, but, but unfortunately then Antonis <laughs> Scalia did die. <laughs> right. But one of those people is Jeff Sullivan, who is one of our favorite writers and one of our favorite people, period, and one of our favorite Effectively Wild guests. And he was on just a couple episodes ago. And fortunately, he was interested in filling your shoes and taking your place. And it won't be the, the same show without you, but Jeff and I will be continuing Effectively Wild and moving the podcast to Fangraphs. So it will be hosted on a different site, but you can still get it the same way you've always gotten it. If you are subscribed, the episodes will keep showing up and it will be me and Jeff and that will be that. And And Baseball Prospectus has been an excellent home for the past few years. It's obviously where you and I worked when we started the podcast. And I think just as highly of Fangraphs and David Appleman and the whole crew over there. And of course, none of this would be possible without the incredible support you've shown on Patreon. The show probably would have ended some time ago if not for that and probably couldn't continue now if not for that. So thanks to your generosity, the podcast will continue and I hope we'll be the place to answer your crazy hypothetical questions for years to come. And by the way, for fans of Fangraphs Audio and Carson Sestouli, I can also happily say that his podcast will be continuing too. So we're losing Sam, but in Jeff, we're gaining another brilliant baseball mind who is prone to making morbid observations. Good. All right. Well, I wish you the best in all of your ESPN endeavors, <laughs> and uh, and we still have a, a few episodes to go here. Yeah, I brought a topic. All right. What is it? Well, since you and I aren't going to be able to uh, talk about baseball on a podcast uh, anymore, I thought I would in, uh, maybe ask about a few things that we won't get to talk about uh, over the next few decades. So this is just sort of uh, the next, I don't know, the next few decades of baseball hot hot questions mm -hmm. uh okay. so i'm gonna i'm just gonna ask them and uh and then you can tell me what what you think the answer is and then right. we, maybe maybe we'll talk about it maybe we won't <laughs> okay doesn't matter because <laughs> it doesn't doesn't matter to you it's all done <laughs> you got nothing to lose all right so uh ben do you believe that we will ever see a two sport player again whose uh worse sport is any worse than, say, Deion Sanders' worst sport was uh, or Bo Jackson's worst sport was. So in other words, will we see a two-sport player who is as good at both sports 
as Dion was at baseball. Or you could just say, will we ever see a two-sport player in the major in the major leagues? Will we see a two-sport player? Are we putting any constraints on what sports qualify? Of Are course. we talking only major, major four sports or, or however I mean, many? I think we're talking about whatever the major four are at the time. So, uh-huh. and I mean, I wouldn't, if, if it were a soccer player, I would count that. If it, But there are, otherwise, I'm, no, we're not going, uh, we're not going golf. We're not going, uh, for the moment, we're not going uh, UFC or bass fishing um, <laughs> uh-huh. or, okay. or anything of the sort. And can we count non-overlapping stints, or does it have to be simultaneous? In other words, can you be a, a Major League Baseball player, retire from baseball, and then be a, a NBA player, or does it have to be same time? I here's how I'm gonna answer that. You have it. It has to be. There has to be some intermingling of the careers. So you could play football for two years, baseball for nine, football for one, and never share a season, but the first game of one sport must be followed by uh, at least one game with the other sport, which then must be followed by the last game of the original sport. Hmm. Even if it, even if that game is then followed by the last game of the second sport. Well, I hate saying never because that's a really long time and I feel like we're all too short-sighted and we all make decisions based on current events and have a hard time projecting into the future, but I can't imagine it happening again. I just can't envision it happening. I think too much has changed. I think some sports are just too physically punishing, too physically demanding. I think athletes are too good now. I think you have to be so specialized in one sport to be good enough to compete at the highest level of that sport. I think the money has exploded so much that there's just very little financial incentive for a player to do this. If anything, you're jeopardizing your financial future by trying to do it. So the only reason that you'd really do it is purely for competitiveness and proving you could, essentially. And I just don't know that anyone could. I think athletes are specializing earlier Not across the board, but in many cases, and I think the expertise needed to get to that level is just too great. I mean, there's no one now that anyone's even really talking about doing it. Like, you know, I guess people have talked about Tebow, who wasn't really all that great at his primary sport, and no one took his bid for the the secondary sport very seriously. But there aren't, like, prospects you can point to and say, oh, he, he might do it, really. No one even seriously entertains the notion or ever really expresses a desire to do it so i just if sports remain anything like their current conditions i can't see it happening yeah i i feel the same way and then i have to remind myself that like deon sanders was playing football 10 years ago and was playing (laughs) baseball 15 years ago which is not that long i mean it's not like they were playing in black and white this was Mm -hmm. These were mo- hey, this was squarely in the modern era of baseball <laughs> yeah. uh, that this was happening, and it was happening like all the time. <laughs> like there were three very high-profile two sports stars who were both solidly contributing in their lesser sport and stars or very close to, to it in the in in their in their strong sport. Like Brian Jordan was three times got MVP votes, which 
I sometimes forget, he was a 33-win player in his career. He had three seasons over five war. He had one of seven war. He was a really good ball player. He also, uh, incidentally, had black ink on his football reference page, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, although just barely, and was, you know, he didn't play football very long. And by the time he made it to the majors, he did give up the NFL. That said, you know, the Brian Jordan, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders era, it just seemed like totally normal. And that's the most demanding of the four sports, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I guess maybe the maybe the the clash between maybe hockey and baseball have the least in common culturally and maybe skills wise i don't know if that's true but you know one is a very northern cold weather sport and the other is a very you know southern and california and, and latin american sport and so maybe the the odds of finding a player who grew up elite at both of those is is less uh, than mm-hmm. than where baseball and and football you know coexist so readily but anyway i'm off topic football is the demanding one so it's it's really not that hard to imagine like a, a basketball schedule can't be can't be 20 percent as physically punishing as a as a football schedule i wouldn't think it's just yeah it's hard to imagine with all the focus on football injuries and the all the prevalence of football injuries and the severity of football injuries it's hard to imagine that anyone could just give up their off season when they have to rest and get themselves in shape again for that kind of punishment to devote all of that rest time to to baseball, which I guess we're saying you could finish your football career and then play baseball again, which again is really difficult to do if you have gone years without playing baseball. Like, I mean, Deion Sanders was, how much of his baseball career was overlapping with his football career? Like, most of it, right? Yeah, most of it. He played played, uh, nine seasons in the majors, over the span of 13 years, and in all 13 of those years, he started his football career the same year and ended it four years later. Yeah. He took some amazing. years off. He did take some years off uh, when he got older, and I guess what? He came back, I guess? Yeah. Unretired? Well, but anyway, they yeah, overlapped. He was, right. He was playing football for a couple of years there where he was not playing baseball. But And you could make the you could make the case that a player who's really good in one sport wouldn't want to be distracted by or have his legacy in that sport uh, potentially put at risk uh, by mm-hmm. playing another sport. But Deion Sanders is like an all time he's like an inner circle Hall of Famer, isn't he, in football? I don't know. <laughs> I think he's... he might be. And <laughs> Uh, I don't even know if he, I don't. Does football have a Hall of Fame? Yes. Deion Sanders <laughs> Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, inducted 2011. I think he is. I think he's really good at football. Like, I think that. Should I ask somebody? <laughs> Who do I? Who's on here? Who knows football? Because I I would like to say something without being wrong, if possible. Pick Brett, Colin, Jonah. RJ or Rob? <laughs> Who knows football? Jonah? Jonah? You know football? <laughs> oh, Meg knows football. Oh, Jonah's typing. Dion, Inner Circle, Hall of Famer, or just good? I'm asking Meg too. Eight times Pro Bowl, two times Super Bowl champion. Clearly very good. <laughs> but... All right. Well, anyway, so the point is that nobody's, you know, nobody, very, very few people have a legacy that was. That was going to be as great as Dion's 
What, what was my point? <laughs> that uh, you wouldn't want to jeopardize your legacy as a great in one sport. Yeah, right. Exactly. In another. Exactly. But Dion had nothing to, you know, n- n- Dion, uh, yeah. Fill it <laughs> in yourself, people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it really wasn't that long ago. I mean, since then, guys have gotten bigger and faster and stronger and more punishing. So... Even since then, I imagine it's gotten harder and careers have gotten shorter and the damage, everyone is more aware of the damage. So I just, I can't imagine it happening. Uh, I, why? I'm having, I'm now having many conversations about <laughs> Deion Sanders on Gchat. I've, I've quit caring, except now I have conversations going and, and I care greatly about conversations. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, you said no, I say yes. Okay. I think basketball. I think a baseball-basketball crossover makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been that long since and, you know, the uh, other thing, the other what, thing, Mark Hendrickson. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing about the basketball-baseball uh, possibility is that baseball players are so tall now. Like, they didn't used to be this tall, but now they're all tall. Mm-hmm. Um, Although, I guess basketball players are taller than they used to be, too. All right. Uh, I'm told twice, inner circle, Hall of Famer for Deion Sanders. Okay. All right. Second question. Do you think that in the next 50 years, the DH will be expanded to cover positions other than pitcher? Mm, no. Okay. I, I don't think so. It seems like, yeah, it's weird because, you know, in 1973, I think if if I'd asked you that, you would have said yes. Like there was a great deal of concern among DH skeptics that this was a slippery slope to defensive units and offensive units. Mm-hmm. And yet 40 years later, 43 years later, it seems much less likely. And I don't really, like you wouldn't see, you. there's there's no chance that, that there's going to be separate units where you'd be able to DH your whole team that that's not even close like that's a ridiculous notion right now and then just having one extra feels weird feels like a strange compromise so i think you're right i agree i think that that is off the table all right yeah i mean it's it's been this long and most people weren't even alive and able to remember baseball without the dh and yet we're still fighting about the dh it's still like the most common baseball argument so I don't know whether that makes MLB more or less likely to expand it because I guess having conversation and debate is probably a good thing, but I don't think there's a pressing reason for it. Like we got the DH because offense was down and obviously offense could be down again and maybe that's the reason why there will be a DH in both leagues, but I just no position is even close to being as bad at hitting as as pitchers were and are. And so I don't know if there's the impetus for it that there was then or or if there ever will be. All right. Clayton Kershaw currently has 52 war, I believe, on baseball reference. And Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson both had 104 war. The only modern pitcher ahead of them is Roger Clemens, and he's well ahead. And I think there's only like three or four pitchers at all that are ahead. So let's say Clemens is out of reach, but... Johnson and Clemens are 104. Kershaw is halfway there. Does he get there? I don't think he gets there. I th- <laughs> I hate to be the, the no guy and everything, but I think 
even if you have an incredible first half of your career as as good as anyone's first half of a career, basically, like Clayton Kershaw's, I don't think you can bet on having a second half of your career like Randy Johnson and Greg Maddox, which are two of the the best second halves of a career ever. Yeah, but let me give you the counter argument, which is that Kershaw is not halfway done with his career. He's only 28. Yeah. He's got, I mean, he's quite possibly got 13 years left or so. Yeah, he's quite possibly got a lot less than that. Well, too. he might only. Yeah, he might. <laughs> so, I mean, he, I, yeah, got, I don't know what his like median career outcome would be, but I would think that a guy who's 28. I mean, he's obviously been very durable so far and healthy, and mostly no really major serious injuries. But still, don't think you could really expect any pitcher to pitch more than double a nine-year career okay uh so now move from kershaw to the uh to the field barring a um rewriting of of how we calculate pitcher war uh or how we value pitcher contributions uh given the the current formula for war do you think any pitcher will ever get to 100 again or is the uh lack of innings that pitcher the, the reduced role that pitchers have prohibitive i'll say someone someone will get there yeah it's definitely getting harder but if you're giving me every pitcher from now till eternity i will take the field well i'm not i'm giving you every pitcher from now for 50 years but the thing is yeah. that, okay. and and Still. i i would say i i i mean i also would have a, a tendency to say yes to this question but nobody the reason i ask it is because nobody is even close if you look at active players there's a lot of players who are you know considerably older than kershaw have had long and distinguished careers and we think of them as, you know, good as, as you know, some of them are Hall of Famers. And yet, when you look at them, like, nobody is remotely close. Like, Sabathia, this is actually what inspired this question. Sabathia's war is 58. He is the active leader. Felix Hernandez is 51. Zach Greinke is 51. He's 32 years old. Verlander is 51. He's 33 years old. Hamels is 50. He's 32 years old. You got Cologne. You got Lester. He's 41. He's 32 years old. To find anybody, Max Scherzer's 37. He's 31 years old. The the only player under 30 who's even really worth talking about here is probably, well, Chris Sale is at 31 more. He's a year younger than Kershaw, and he's 21 wins behind him. Bumgarner is two years younger than Kershaw. He's 28 wins behind him. And that's it. I mean, that is like, seriously, that is it. There is nobody else under 30 who's even over 20 wins above replacement at this point. So there is, I mean, we have an entire, I agree 50 years is a long time, but we have an entire generation here that we're looking at that is not going to get to 70. And I'm not sure exactly, other than Kershaw, and I'm not sure exactly why that is, because it wasn't that long ago that Pedro and Maddox and Randy Johnson and Clemens were, you know, four of the eight greatest pitchers of all time, and three of them yeah. got to 100, uh, and Kershaw and Clemens got to 100 and almost 40. Uh, but... <laughs> But here it is. Well, yeah. In Clemens's case, you know why, right? I guess. So we have talked about that in the past, why all of those guys happened to coincide at this period when offense was seemingly at an all-time high and yet 
four of the best pitchers ever were pitching at that time. And yeah, we've we've talked about whether maybe because of expansion or because of PEDs or whatever, there was just more variation among players and yeah. it was easier to be an outlier. And so maybe that's the case. But 50 years is such a long time that I will just say something will happen. And I don't know what it would be because all the trends are pointing toward fewer innings for starters and making it harder and harder for a pitcher to get there. But who knows, maybe bionic arms come in at some point in that 50 years or no one tears ligaments anymore or you can repair any torn ligament and then guys have longer careers. Although then I guess you'd also have a higher talent level and it would be harder to distinguish yourself. But I'll say that something happens, some sort of freakish talent comes along. All right. In 50 years, what will be the record for strikeouts in a game? (laughs) All right. So we've talked about this too, how obviously strikeout rates keep rising, but at the very upper end, strikeouts per game don't really keep rising, which seems to be because pitchers get pulled earlier in games. They can't throw as many pitches and maybe batters are better and make them work harder and all that. So even though pitchers strike out more guys generally, we still haven't seen the 21 strikeout game, but I'm going to say that we see it Even though complete games are becoming a a dying breed, I will say that we certainly see that. And, huh, you're giving me 50 years. I mean, what was the, like, what was the first 20 strikeout game? Clemens? Clemens in, yeah, Clemens in 86. And Steve Carlton had 19, I think, at one point. So if we go back 50 years, like in 1966, what was the record for most strikeouts in a game up to that point you could do a do a quick play index maybe promo code bp (laughs) yeah all right so give me what year did you want through 66 all right through 66 the most strikeouts in a nine inning game this is crucial because there Mm -hmm. was like guys who had like 21 strikeouts in a 26 inning game Three guys, Koufax twice and bob feller had 18 feller had 18 in 1938 so in 50 years, it's only gone up to mm-hmm. the max. And and that's with 50 years of like hard momentum towards strikeouts. And it's yeah. not it's not a guarantee that the momentum towards strikeouts will continue, that maybe maybe yeah. base, maybe we will reach a peak or maybe baseball will step in and say strikeouts also, suck. Hard momentum toward fewer innings or shorter starts. And, that, and that's uh, barring the bionic arm. That mm-hmm. momentum does seem to continue, seem likely. To yeah. Right. All right. Well, I'll say another two. I'll say we get to 22. I'll take the over. I'm saying 23. Okay. All right. So will we have, in 50 years, will we have a reliever who produces a ERA of zero <laughs> for a season? In, 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 a, like, in, in a season. In, and it's got to be, yeah, 50, 50 innings or more. I'll say no. I think oh. I think no. I mean, it's easier to imagine that, obviously, because you could have someone who has a fluky year with a, a bunch of unearned runs and doesn't get one charged to him. But even so, I don't think so. Yeah, the, I, the only reason that I would say maybe is that, uh, well, two reasons. One is that I'm play indexing promo code PP, uh, but I uh, anecdotally it feels to me that Huh, not really, actually. I was going to say, it feels like we've seen a, a a real rise in extreme low ERAs from relievers recently, but 
That's just be a Rodney set the all-time record. Fernando Rodney set the all-time record in 2012, and Zach Britton just broke it. But uh, once you get past him, it's uh, 1990, 1986, uh, 1964, 2006, 2006, and then Wade Davis, 2015, 2002, and 2011, and 2014. So I guess there have been 11 years in history in which really read an ERA of one or lower, and one, two, three, four, five of those 11 have come in the last five years. Uh, Uh And three more came in the five years before that. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it is is accelerating. So we're seeing an acceleration of extremely low ERAs. But the other thing is that I'm imagining a world where better and better pitchers are used in relief, which I think we're seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I think that Chapman, for instance, is a major league average starter right now and they just you know other than like a spring training micro micro controversy it's never even really brought up it's just yeah he's a closer and i think that i i still think it is clearly obviously without a doubt the default that if you have a pitcher who's a good starter he goes to starting but i don't think that's necessarily true for 50 years and i think if you took i think if you gave me 10 of the top 20 starters in baseball, which I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't think it will. But if you gave me half of the top 20 starters in baseball, made them all relievers within 10 years, you'd get a zero. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really hard to do. You have to be incredibly lucky. You have to have everything bounce your way. You have to not allow a single home run all year. So it's tough, but sure. I mean, it's it's possible, but... I'm still going to say no. I really wish I hadn't said the thing about Chapman being an average starter because now I've undercut myself. If I if I'd said yeah, if I hadn't said that Chapman was a league average starter, then I could say, well, we've never seen it. We've never seen it tried. But Chapman, if I believe that Chapman is at least a league average starter and he's never allowed fewer than ten earned runs, like that's not even close to a zero ERA. Like he's got mm-hmm. to allow ten fewer earned runs, all ten of them. And right. he, so the fact that he hasn't even gotten close, I have to change one of my opinions here. Like, <laughs> they both can't exist. So I'm now saying Chapman is garbage. He can't pitch. <laughs> clearly, clearly couldn't hack it. Yeah. I mean, when Rodney did it, he allowed five earned runs in a 74 and two thirds inning season. So it's not that hard to imagine that, I mean, you certainly could find 50 innings within Fernando Rodney's 74 and two-thirds innings when he would have had a zero ERA. So if his outings had been distributed differently and his season had ended earlier or something like that, it it could have happened. So it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, but I'll still say no. The thing, too, is it's Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Mike Trout. Uh, first off, how many MVP awards? All right. Counting, starting with two, starting at two. Four. Okay. So home runs, hits, RBIs, runs, war. Uh, which all-time record does he break if I told you he breaks one? And do you take none over any of them? Uh, do you take none over any of them? Hmm. Do you take none over all of them, I guess? Over all of them. He's not going to, well, hmm. <laughs> I mean, he could age incredibly well and then he all bets probably are off, will. There's a very good chance that he will. I mean, he's been extremely durable. He 
keeps himself in good shape. He's, you know, he has a good build, whatever criteria you want to try to use to project how someone will age a decade from now. He probably holds up pretty well in that category. So say he does, I mean, he's not like, like there's nothing in him to this point that you would say he's going to be the all-time home run king, except that he might just play at a high level forever. Right. Like, you know, he's, like Hank he's top. Yeah, he's topped out at 41, and it's possible that he could hit more than that at some point, or he could just hit 35 for the next 15 years or something. So it's, yeah. you know, it Hank could Aaron, happen. Hank Aaron didn't hit more than 45 until he was 37 years old. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. So definitely possible. Hits, you know, like obviously he's not a, a super high batting average guy, but again, like and he, he could walks play forever. Too much. So yeah. yeah, he walks too much. So I guess I'll say, man, I mean, obviously he's been the best war through his age, so it's not a stretch to say that he could be the best war ever. He started very young, he'd probably age well, but I still wouldn't give him better than even odds to do that, but would I give him better than even odds to do something at a historic rate like if he does one it's almost like if he does one of these things well enough to be the best ever he'll do more than one well enough to be the best ever it kind of seems like that like you know if he hangs on long enough to be the all-time hit king or the all-time homer king then he'd probably be the all-time war king too because he'll have played forever at a really high level and he's off to this incredible start so so if i ask you is if is Mike Trout going to be a 7.2 win player next year? You'd say yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And if I asked, will he be a 7.2 win player for the next three years? You would say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many years will you go? <laughs> so next year will be his age 25 season. Yeah, and this is an average. So if he's 10 yeah. wins ne- this year and uh, four the next, or you know, yeah. 4.4 the next, that counts. Right. Yeah. I'll go and and seven point two would be his worst full season by like <laughs> to date. two yeah by <laughs> so. uh, right and and it's it's th- you know two and a half or so below his average mm-hmm. yeah and he's been twenty he's been twenty for some of those seasons twenty right. years old yes yeah of course he's also been extremely healthy and yeah who knows he could you know miss half a season and that could screw up everything but I'll say I would take that through his age. 32 season all right well that doesn't get him there he needs to be a 7.2 win player through 40 on average that's what he needs to do he needs to produce 7.2 wins a year until he's 40 <laughs> that's Unless, really hard <laughs> it is really hard yeah yeah it's uh it's why it's a record yes <laughs> yeah so i guess i'll say none is still the likeliest outcome all right um uh, okay Trout hits free agency in four years. What will his contract be? Five hundred million. So he'll be coming off his age twenty-eight season. You think he'll do ten and five hundred or eleven and five hundred? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I. I mean, God, that sounds crazy. It does. It does. Assuming the economy is relatively the same and assuming the CBA gets ratified again and baseball doesn't change dramatically. The thing is that, like I just said, that I think he'll continue to be, you know, through his age 29 or 27 season. That's what we're, t- we're talking about. After he'll, 28. 
after 28 uh, so that's only i think i think it's after 28 he'll be a free agent yeah he signed through 2020 yeah so after 28 so after 28 so that's four more years and i am assuming that he'll continue to be the best player in baseball over those four years and will still be a super super superstar so on the one hand it's hard to imagine any team making that sort of like crazy 12-year commitment at this point but if anyone is ever going to get that again it would be trout who i'm envisioning hitting the market as the best player ever through that age so and we just said we thought he would age well and he's good at everything and so on and so on so yeah i think i don't i just don't know if anyone's going to come along between now and then and bump the max up high enough for him to get there like if the max is like 35 for a single season now i don't know you know maybe harper becomes incredible again and he hits the market first and he sets a a new high and then trout can sort of build on that because he'll have been better than harper but all right i'll i'll lower to what's the most what's the biggest contract ever now like just in terms of total dollars is i think it's stanton 320 still? yeah stanton was what 325 yeah and that's stanton like trout is so much better than stanton well and also it was it was an extension it was an extension so he didn't hit free agency it was also like nobody at the time expected it to get anywhere near the end like he had the opt yeah, out right. that crazy opt out Mm-hmm. And it was for 13 years, which is so unusual. <laughs> yes. A 13-year right. deal is very unusual. And so he was very young at the time. He was much younger than Trout will be, mm-hmm. So, which yes. explains maybe the 13 years. All right. Well, 400 then. That's disappointing. <laughs> I mean, definitely 400, right? Like, if he, if he comes into free agency, you know, what, with like the... If he, I mean, there's no reason to expect him to get worse by that point, really. So if he comes into the season, I mean, over his last three years, he's been worth like 21 wins or no, that's not right. He's been worth 21 wins above average. (laughs) So but replacement, he's been worth 28 over the last three years. So, I mean, you know, he's, if he comes into that year, having continued to be like an eight win player, even, is there any way that he wouldn't get 400? Uh, No, he'll definitely get 400. Okay. Without it, he'd get 400 today. Yeah. And well, that's four as, years from now. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm get, saying, I'm saying if it happened today, like if he were 28 and hit free agency today, I see. He'd get yeah. 400. Right. Okay. So then add four years of inflation, and that's like mm-hmm. getting like 360. Would he get 400 today? Now that I see 400, I go, oh, he'd get 400 today. And then I say a number that's lower than 400, and I realize how many numbers there are in front of like before <laughs> 400, like from 275 which is what A-Rod got as free agent, to 400, or even from 325 to 400, there's a lot of numbers that you have to surpass first. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think you'd get 400. Yeah, and as we've been talking about, it just seems like there are fewer and fewer places to spend, and so you, you'd channel some of that money into free agency, and that's assuming, you know, like the cable bubble and the broadcast bubble won't have First, by then, you know, we're not totally trying to project every aspect of life between now and then. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think he gets 400 for sure. Does he get more than that? I don't know. Probably not significantly, I guess. Hey, have people been writing pieces or talking yet 
about John Carlos Stanton as having an obscenely club unfriendly contract yet. I haven't seen it. I haven't either. I wonder if we're going to get there. Uh, Because he played half a season in 2015 Mm -hmm. and was very good. Then he played most of the season, but but did get injured in 2016 and was not very good at all. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't very good. And if he doesn't opt out, that's a heavily backloaded deal. So basically, he's going to have a choice when he's 30 whether or not to opt out. And if he doesn't, it is like seven years and like 220 and... Mm -hmm. I guess seven and two twenty in two thousand twenty won't be that crazy, but we just have no idea how John Carlos Stanton's going to age. Next year really seems like nope. it could be the year that we start talking about that. Or if he's good, it'll be the year that we never talk about it. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out. That's a good story for you and Jeff to do. <laughs> All right. So now around June, <laughs> I'll let him know. Set a reminder. Google Calendar. Sure. All right. Uh, let's see. Last thing, Ben, uh, mm-hmm. in 2066, what franchise will have the longest World Series drought? There's so many variables here because I'm, I don't know how much precedence you'd give to a, a team that has a long one already in that obviously you have a head start, but at any given time, there aren't that many droughts longer than that. So... Between now and then, just so many existing droughts will be broken that I'm not sure that it even really matters. Like, I guess the team that has the longest drought in 2066 won't win one between now and then, right? And probably will have something of a drought already right now. Probably. Because of the 30 teams, probably something like 16 or 18 will win a World Series in those 50 years. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. That'd be a fun math problem to do on a long drive, but Mm -hmm. let's say 16 to 18. So you've got 12-ish teams that aren't going to win a World Series. Uh, So whoever of those 12 starts with the longest drought would be the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and of course we have essentially no ability to project how a team will be, you know, even like three years from now. So it's, it's almost fruitless to try to say like, you know, like the Indians have a really long drought now, but they are also one of the best teams in baseball now with one of the clearest routes to the playoffs. I don't know, like things are so unpredictable over that time frame that I don't even know how much like the Indians having a pretty good shot in 2017 affects things. Yeah, your but... your choices are really, it's going to be one of the Indians, the Rangers, the Astros, the Brewers, the Padres the Nationals, the Mariners. It's going to be one of those. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the Rockies, but only if all of those teams win a World Series in the next 50 years. So it's going to be one of those. I honestly, I think that, how many, uh, let me, sub-question, of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball right now, how many of them are in the same city in 50 years? Well, we've been living in a, a period of a lot of franchise stability. Yeah, nobody moves and... anymore. Right, and that has been extremely profitable for everyone, so it doesn't seem like a lot of teams would move. Of course, okay. that that's a long time, but I'll say of the current 30, I don't know, 28 will be in the okay. same place. All right. I would, I think any of those teams, actually, I could see any of those teams being it. I guess I don't have any reason to think the Indians are more likely to win the World Series than any other team that I just named. 
So I'll uh, stick with them. Yeah, I mean, other than the fact that they probably have the best chance of winning the World Series for, now. For two, for two of those 50 years, they have a better right. chance. Yeah, which is not a lot to go on. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'd go with, I don't know, like if you're talking about a 50-year time frame, then you should give some attention to the market size. and Yeah, which is why Cleveland. Right, which makes Cleveland a, a pretty good choice, but would also maybe work for some of the other teams on that list. Or maybe you could argue that, I don't know, maybe Texas has a harder time because it's so hot there. Maybe it's harder for them to field a, a competitive team, although maybe they'll have a indoor stadium sometime soon. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the team that has the longest existing drought and also has a fairly small market and low payroll and low attendance seems to be the most logical choice. All right, let me ask you one more question. Will baseball in the next 50 years ever have another scandal comparable to the steroids era? Huh. Would you say that there was one in the previous 50 years? I think, uh, I don't know whether cocaine. you would, No, not cocaine. No. I don't know if Collusion. You, yeah, collusion might is... is uh, I mean, you... Yeah, I think collusion... Uh, no, collusion's not on the level of the steroids era. I don't yeah, know what you would... It's not on field, really, so... Yeah, and it's just not as big. Like, my mom's never heard of collusion. She's uh-huh. heard of steroids. She's heard of Barry Bonds. She's not mm-hmm. heard of Peter Uberoth. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you would call it a scandal. I don't know what segregation was like in 1947 like i don't Mm -hmm. i guess it it was it probably wasn't a scandal because i was gonna say i don't know if it was something that like a lot of the country looked at and went holy cow can you believe baseball but i mean these these teams were like a a trailblazer in that respect yeah integrating so 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 yeah i I think uh not in the previous 50 years i mean you have the black Sox and you have the steroids era so i guess those are Mm -hmm. your only two Hmm. the thing is that there's going to be so much new technology that will be making its way into sports. Like, I don't know if it will be a baseball specific scandal because, you know, things like, I don't know, who knows, like gene manipulation or just <laughs> cyborg sort of, you know, people getting implants of, of all kinds. I mean, that's going to be a thing, one would think. And you could easily imagine that being a sort of PED level scandal. But I don't know that it would be concentrated in baseball or that baseball would bear the brunt of it the way it did with steroids. So I guess I'll say no. All right, let me ask one last question. Baseball is currently a nine-ish billion dollar industry, nine or ten billion dollar industry, I think. And it is it grows much faster than the economy as a whole, or it has grown much faster than the economy as a whole. Baseball is huge. It's a huge uh, industry. In 50 years relative to adjusting for normal real-world inflation, will baseball be bigger or smaller than it is right now? Major League Baseball. Hmm. I mean, obviously, it'll be worth more. It'll generate more revenue. But adjusting for normal inflation, will it be bigger or smaller than it is now? I mean, we're coming off a, a period of incredible growth and profitability. And so it would be tempting to extrapolate continued growth and profitability but that sort of thing doesn't last forever and you could say that maybe there will be a a broadcast bubble that bursts or you know i I think it's just generally getting harder for 
anything to break through the wealth of competing entertainment options out there, and that will continue to be the case. So I would imagine that baseball and and almost everything else will probably have a, a smaller percentage of the mind share in 50 years than it does now, which is certainly the case now compared to 50 years ago. And, and yet, yet it, has it is also more them. profitable yeah. than it was 50 years ago. So one doesn't necessarily preclude the other. I'll say it won't be more profitable. I I, I don't know. I'll say, I mean, this has just been such a, a boom time that I, I would guess that, I mean, even if that growth slows though, like it will still be growth and so it would still be more, and maybe it's silly not to expect it to be more, but I guess I'll say smaller. Yeah, I mean, I think that I I would feel fairly confident saying that at some point it will stop growing and maybe maybe even start shrinking, but it might grow for a while before then. Mm-hmm. It might have a lot of room to shrink before it comes back to 2016 levels. We might think of 2016 as tiny old baseball, uh, you know, in, in 15 years. I think that either, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really see a scenario where it shrinks a little. Like, I think it either keeps growing like it does, like it is, takes over new parts of the world, takes over new technologies and so on, does what it's been doing basically for the last 15 years, 20 years, or it collapses. And it's just such a a small niche thing like, um, you know, poker on TV or something that we don't even think of it as the big four anymore. I I have a hard time seeing it being like 85% of what it is now and and just going on like that. So I... I mean, what if the the cable deals go away and suddenly baseball is this regional sport that being a regional sport doesn't get you giant cable deals so there isn't as much national interest and you're not getting as much from the the broadcast packages it's not like everyone suddenly stopped caring about baseball entirely but the way that baseball has trended toward that regional nature might not pay off as much as it has for the last decade or so and when those deals expire Maybe they don't get replaced by deals that are worth as much in, in the dollars of that day. So I could imagine that happening. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I You've made me imagine it. Major League Baseball advanced media, you know, just split off from MLB, right? And it's, it's kind of its own thing now. So maybe it won't generate as much revenue for baseball as it has been. So I could see it happening. How old will the oldest player be in the next 50 years? Who? How, how old will somebody get? in the next 50 years. And let's take knuckleballers out of this. So Jamie Moyer made it to 49. Julio Franco made it to 48. And they were, you know, still trying hard. These were not stunts. Will mm-hmm. we see a 50-year-old earn a spot on a... Ma- Why am I... T- we're done. You <laughs> <laughs> can answer that if you want. I, I, think, I, well, I, I think there are two competing... Forces. I mean, one, there's better conditioning and better health care and guys take better care of themselves and, you know, there's better injury prevention and treatment. So on the one hand, there are factors prolonging careers. On the other hand, athletes keep getting better and more specialized and it's harder and harder for old guys to compete with young guys. And we haven't really seen 
the oldest player get older, right? I mean, like, you know, Hoyt Wilhelm was 49 in the 70s. And I mean, there's always been someone like that, right? Who's like playing into their mid to late 40s. And no one has really gone beyond that aside from stunts, essentially. So it, it doesn't seem like there's been any trend toward the oldest being older. So I'll say that won't change. When Jamie Moyer was in his final season, he was 49, he was Jamie Moyer, and he was in pitching in Coors. His K-9 to rate was the same as Bob Feller's career K-9 to rate. When, <laughs> like, I, uh, cross-generational strikeout rate, fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> never, never bored of them. All mm. right. It's fun, man. Finished. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, so that will do it for today. Everyone, group hug. We'll get through this together. Again, you can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. You are directly responsible for this podcast's continued existence. And just so you know what exactly you are pledging your support for when you donate on Patreon, a bunch of people and parties are getting a piece of that pie. So it's me and still Sam getting a small percentage. It's Baseball Prospectus. It's Fangraphs and Jeff. So things are a little more complicated on the back end than they once were. But all you need to know is that if you keep pledging your support, you'll keep getting effectively wild. So thanks to all of you, and today's five listeners who have already pledged their support are Evan Klotzman, Ryan McLaughlin, Matt Gillette, and Carl Sandrich. So thanks to all of you. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild, which I expect will be very busy right about now as people process today's news. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And for now, at least, you can continue to contact both me and Sam at podcast at baseballperspectus.com or by messaging us through Patreon. We'll probably have a new email address to tell you about soon so that Jeff can start getting your questions too. But we'll have more news about that in the coming days. And we've got a couple more episodes to get through this year. So we will talk to you soon. And again, thanks everyone for all of your support so far. Bye.